Well, hey, hi, happy Friday. We made it. You seem alarmed at any sort of energy I just threw out there. You know what? I'm. That is the look of me catching your energy. Thank you. Slapping a yes and on it. Uh-huh. And sending it right back. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. How are you doing? I'm okay. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Oh. It's been a long pandemic. It's been a big, bad panty. And, I, you know, I'm by myself in my apartment. And oh. I swore the dating, I swore off dating apps for years. I haven't been on a dating app in, let's say, three years. Wow. But um, I'm thinking about getting back on it, but I hate the apps. So I wanted to pitch you an idea of something that I had, an idea I had, that I think could, ma- could make you and I a lot of money. I'm slightly terrified, but definitely intrigued. Hit me. A few of my friends and I have been hanging out in VR, all right, on the old VR chat. Uh-huh. Um, I think on here, I, I talked to you, I, I explained I went to a birthday party in VR and met other people in VR, and I was a giant carrot. You right. Know that? Yes, okay. familiar. Here's my million-dollar idea. Take note, Bezos. A dating VR app. Why isn't this a thing already? Right? It's like I'm saying we should slice bread. The thing is this. Here's the thing. Here's why I hate dating apps. Besides everything about them. Here's why I hate them. Because I feel like I'm a huge weirdo. All right? I'm a weirdo. I'm loud. So pictures and and writing, you know, on these apps, I just don't, I don't take a good photo. uh, And which I'm not going to blame the camera. I just don't, I'm not, it's, you know, it's the the problem is. Listen, the thing between the shoulders, but but, but I just, just dis- fin- I disagree. Thank I've you. I've seen I've seen your photo going over Laguna Sega. I've seen the fear in your eyes. Contractually, you have to disagree, and I appreciate it. But I will say that I just feel like the still image and the written word doesn't properly convey who I am. And I've been hanging out in VR, and you could choose your avatar. There's so many things. Plus, you get to talk to someone. You're not in the same space as someone else. You know, the battery life is only about an hour and a half, so it just shuts down, so you you have to be done. So, you know what I'm saying? So, I think, like, the VR dating app thing could be good. You know, we could choose where to meet. I like that. You know, I, I genuinely, I think you're onto something. I feel like there's so many different environments that you could just throw yourself yes. into. You can you can show up like a carrot. It doesn't matter. And I really feel like speed dating in VR Ugh. is, su- it just, it makes sense. It really it makes, makes sense. sense. And you know, like you said, at the end of the day, oh, I'm sorry, my internet cut out. Whoops. Oh, like, you know, you don't have to make an excuse to leave or. Yeah. And, and, and plus like the other thing too is here, I'll say something. I was hanging out with my friend Mars and we're in this Dragon Ball Z world. And this was such a good bit. This was so fun. We're, you know, we're hanging out. We're whatever. We are honestly talking about, I think buying GameStop stock or something dumb. (laughs) As you do in a, in a Dragon Ball Z world. We're, we're very on brand. (laughs) And, but here's the thing about this world that I didn't know. Every time you put your hands up and you pull the triggers you fly. So she was like, oh, you know, whatever X, Y, Z thing. And I was like, yes. And I put my hands up in like victory and I shot up into the <laughs> sky and I like flew away. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening? So imagine the power that you would have if you could do that in the middle of a date. Fly away. I wish I, I could in most dates. Right. You've sp- So you've spent your fair share of different 
VR chat environments. You've been in a Dragon Ball Z world. You've so been great. in a hundred different places. What would be your top couple date locations that you'd want to meet up? Well, it, it's interesting you say that because I have thought a lot about this. Mm. So it's interesting because in VR, you can hang out in like photorealistic, very cool, normal human being environments. You know, I've been hanging outside in a cabin in the woods, you know, just chilling right. by a fire. It's great. And there's, you know, it's it's really great. It's what our producer Jen Samples does in real life. But I don't leave my apartment, <laughs> so I do it in VR. Jen, I'm, t- I'm saying, if you ever feel like you don't want to leave your apartment, you could do it in VR also. Just go outside. That's all I ask. One day. Just go outside one second that. I'm working on it. But anyway, like what what is a world you would want to be invited out to? I want to be in a in an environment that makes me feel like I can open up to somebody and I I am at home and I am just really somewhere I'm really comfortable, a good common ground whether it is in real life or VR. So, I got to take them to In-N-Out. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. In-N-Out In-N-Out Burger, yes. the the fast food California fast food joint? Yes. Okay. It's a very it's a very welcoming, homely environment, and I it's a good safe place. I feel at home. You literally have the entirety of the multiverse, everything that uh-huh. a human being could imagine, any environment, whether they could physically travel there or not, at your fingertips. Yeah. And you choose In and Out Burger. Yep. Okay. Well, that's cool. I have a question. If you if it's a virtual reality date, how would you know if the date's going well if you're not actually with the person? Are you just like Well, my question is how do I know that it's going well anyway? Which, <laughs> and so I can't answer that. You know what? I think I'm starting to realize as we're talking about this, I think that the 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 top the best kind of VR date you could have is the uh, battery drop. Like Battery goes out. You're just talking till till the goggles go off. Modern day romance. Modern our day fir- romance. Our first date, we couldn't stop talking in VR. Both our batteries died and true love is draining the battery. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> Tell that a story memoir. at my wedding. Yeah. Tell that story at my wedding. <gasps> and your wedding will be in VR. Ah! <laughs> in the Dragon is. Ball Z world. At the in and out reception. At- Reception at the in and out. I love it. Uh, oh well, my god! I'm well, excited for your future. I love it, and I'm also excited for our guest today. Well Aww. played. Well played. He is truly such a gem, and has a gigantic presence in the gaming space. Especially has a love of the world of VR. He is the co-creator of I don't know. You might have heard of it, uh, Rick and Morty, which is currently airing its fifth season on Adult Swim, right? Meow, go watch it. He is also the co-founder and CEO of Squanch Games, incredible titles, go play them now. Uh, We had an absolute blast. Here is our interview with Justin Roiland. Y'all ready for this? (sighs) That's a good start. Great start. (laughs) For people who don't know what's going on, they are switching the internet out at Justin's yeah. house. Well, the internet so. has been a problem since I've moved into this house. So I got, I got, I spent a ton of money getting the house rewired, but then the Wi-Fi was just obliterated. So now I have all these dead spots in the house. And today, hopefully, is the day that the Wi-Fi is fixed and I don't have that problem anymore, but we'll, we'll see. Do you think it could be ghosts? Could it be ghosts? Are there parts in your house Anything's that are very possible. cold? 
It could all just be ghosts. I don't know. I don't know. I'm also wondering if ghosts aren't actually interdimensional beings that are sort of manifesting, you know, kind of popping through into our reality and then kind of just fading out. Yeah, and and I love how their their primary uh, the first thing that they want to do when they when they shift into our dimension they fuck. is just fuck with our air conditioning. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. that too. <laughs> well, no, I mean, aren't they? Aren't they? Aren't they? Isn't 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 like every abductee story about how they're just trying to fuck? Like it's like they'll they'll abduct yeah. someone. Like there's one right. story where they, like like they, like dude gets abducted and then like he's freaking out. Like I mean, as freaked out as you can get, he's like freaking the fuck out. They throw him in a room and then he's by himself. Next thing you know, the door opens and some like hot, attractive, synthetic woman comes in, like a sperm collector woman. You know, I don't know. It's it seems to be like they're just very interested in our our semen. And I love how the aliens are still hot. Like whoever's collecting it is still hot. You know, what's funny is that's that's a real like I mean, I've been diving deep into all this alien stuff again. I, 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 I was obsessed with it way back when I was younger. And then, of course, you know, it's like this is all bullshit. And I just stopped, you know, even looking at it. But then all this UAP shit and the government coming out and saying, okay, yeah, these are real. We don't know what they are. All this stuff is like basically making me question everything again. So I'm like, okay, let me go back and look at all the shit I haven't seen over the years because I started ignoring it. And then let me just look at all the old stuff and like revisit all, all of these abductee stories and documentaries. I mean, there's just piles of shit I've been going through. And it is weird how the stories are all very similar and they're all kind of just trying to get that semen, you know, or those eggs. They're just trying to get, they're trying to get people to fuck. <laughs> You know, they're making babies. They're making alien hybrid human babies. Just weird shit. And I love how the stories have stayed stayed consistent, too. Yeah. Like, it is a common theme. The skeptics would say, and I, I'm not ruling this out, that it has something to do with regression hyp- hypnotherapy that they're going through. That mm. You'd have to, we'd have to all watch and actually see how the therapist works with them to see if the therapist is actually guiding them or sort of planting shit, you know, like DMing them into believing, uh. like planting these memories, these false memories. But it is weird that they all have similar, like like Barney and Betty Hill, their story, they didn't remember for two years. They had no idea. They just had a missing time. There was a big missing time event. They had no idea what happened. Then they did this regression hypnotherapy. And if you watch, if you hear the tapes of them, they're fucking freaking the fuck out. Like, it's like horrifying oh, to hear them remember for the first time Shit. what actually happened to them, or at least what they think. Now, were they doing it together or were they having kind of separate accounts? No, they were abducted so together. Not like a- they were taken together. Okay, yeah. okay. It's one of the earliest, uh, it's, it's not the earliest, but it's, I think it might be the second in terms of like famous, like early abduction cases that, that we know of. Whoa, that's insane. No, it's, it's so weird. I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. Also, like, can I just say, and Sonny and I talk about this a lot of this podcast, but I think my theory is just, we're just living in a giant VR game that's either future humans yeah. Or aliens, like we're all. This is all the simulation, man. It's all simulation theory. Yeah, having done. I mean, I remember the first time I played. First time I did VR was Job Simulator. Yep. And I remember I played it for like three and a half hours. <laughs> you know, with like giant cord, matrix cord out the back, and I took it. I took the goggles off, and I was like, "We, the reality is all. This is all a simulation. Yeah. It's all. It's very possible. There was a 2019 study that uh, that actually they discovered. I think Michigan, University of Michigan, I can't remember where it was, but they discovered that we have DMT in equal amounts as we have serotonin in our, in our brain. So D, like we have a lot of DMT just floating around in our, in our cerebral, what is it? The, the spinal fluid, it's, it's in there, the, the liquid that encases the brain. The cortex. The yeah, cor- yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 have, we have a lot of DMT just kind of floating around in our brain, which 
raises a lot of questions about how we perceive reality. I mean, it's so weird. That's like the most potent psychedelic on the planet and it's in every living thing and it's just floating around in our brain. So, but it's not like active or anything. It's not, well, it, it, so they, 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 they recorded high levels of DMT in the brain, uh, during deep REM sleep. Uh, they also just, they also recorded high level. They, they, they induced cardiac arrest in these mice and the DMT levels just spiked, like just fucking through the roof. Um, there's all kinds of weird shit that they found out in this study, which, which, is incredibly understudied. It's like we need we need a lot more money and funding and 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 a lot more like to to look into this. I think it's an incredibly important uh, scientific you know thing to 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 understand better. But absolutely. But um. But the whole DMT thing is it's like you know when you talk about simulation theory, you know it it's like yeah we 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 don't know the role of DMT in our brains, but it could be in some connection to the simulation that we're in and how we perceive the things around us. And, um, like you said, things shifting in on a different wavelength, we just can't see because, uh, we're interacting with this reality with only the senses that we were evolved to have. So there could be all kinds of shit around us that we can't see or touch or anything Mm -hmm. or feel because of how we are, how we evolved. But I don't know. The simulation theory is a fucking weird one because like, like, like you look at the way quantum mechanics work and, you know, particles observed versus particles not observed, like, like how they act differently if they're being observed. Mm-hmm. That's like, like a fucking video game. It renders shit. You know, like when the player is seeing something, it's rendered. And when they walk away, it calls out, you know, it's like, it's like the whole, if a tree falls in the wood, in the woods and no one's around, does it make any noise? Well, if we're in a simulation, it probably wouldn't make any noise because unless it's being observed by something. And then you go into the whole conversation of like, well, are humans the only thing being simulated? Do animals have souls? Are those creatures simulated as well? And therefore, if a dog or a, let's say a fucking a fox observes a tree falling in the forest, does that mean those particles react differently because the fox is observing them? It's all fucking insanity. Yeah. Let's talk about VR, man, because uh, VR is awesome and we're all heavy, heavy into it. And you've done some great, you love a, I think you love VR and you've made some great games. Yeah, no, VR is, fun. I mean, VR, like, really, I mean, that's why I have a game studio. I mean, we're not, we're, the current thing we're working on is not VR, but if it were not for VR, I wouldn't have a game studio because, like, like VR just blew my fucking mind. I mean, I was there from day one. I, I was one of the Kickstarter, one of the Kickstarter backers on the very first Oculus, you know, Whoa. the Lucky Palmer thing that he did, and um, I got the DK1 and then the DK2, and that was really when it started to open up for me when all these dads were making weird experimental things. There was a thing called Sightline or the chair, I believe it was called. It really blew my Mm. mind. Um, I I wish I could remember the developer's name. Really incredible, innovative uh, little VR experiment. And then I got to, and then I was flying to valve just to go meet those guys and sort of hang out. And I scheduled it months and out. And then like, it just so happens the weekend right before my trip, they announced the, the, the vive. (gasps) <gasps> yeah the original like n- they had just announced its existence yeah so i'm like are you fucking kidding me so the next weekend i'm there and i met i meet like chet falasek and all the guys that were like behind that that thing and they put me in it and that's when i really was just like holy fucking shit like room scale vr <laughs> and i was just like this is you know like you're describing i was just like you know they did the whole like they would run a whole sequence of uh of demos that they had at the time they had the we vr 
underwater whale kind of thing. And then they had job simulator, Mm -hmm. they had um, the office level they had, and they had a couple of other really cool things uh, that they kind of would, Oh, tilt brush was one that they, that they would put you Mm -hmm. in. And um, I was so obsessed with it, man. I like, I I even went back, like there's, I remember one trip, I can't remember why I was there, but I was in Seattle and I had a friend who worked at valve and me and uh, my girlfriend at the time and a few other, a couple of other people. It was really weird. It was like, yeah, like 1130 at night, we all went to Valve just to fucking get in the get in the vibe and fuck around and, and play VR because that because it, it, it was like, you know, six months out before it was going to be released. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was still fun. But yeah, and then and then and then they sent me a kit and I had it, you know, and I was just that was when I was like, I just all I wanted to do was make stuff on it. And then I and then yeah, and then started a, a studio with Tanya Watson. And then and then the irony is I developed this game on paper. Uh, like I had a game design document for a game that was room scale VR. And then the only person that wanted to fund us was Sony. And they had at the time the Morpheus, which eventually became the PSVR. And I remember thinking I loved it, but I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to make a, a room scale standing VR game in this. Cause it's 180, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, is a camera, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, like the, the lighthouses where you're like fully being tracked in any direction, full 360. It was a little bit different. Right. So I was like, this is, I think the best way to approach this would be a seated uh, VR experience with a, with a game pad. Because at the time I was playing a lot of like uh, the Samsung Gear VR games where you had like a full like game pad, mm-hmm. but you were in VR. So there's some really cool ones that were like third person platformer characters, but you're there. Um, I think there's one called City Repairman that I really wish that they would port to the Quest. It's one of my favorite. And then there's another one called Hero quest or heroes spirit i don't know what the i can't remember but it was like a zelda kind of imitation zelda game but in vr and and those games use the use the vr as like a camera as like a glorified camera so you were not present you were just sort of a floating camera watching the gameplay but you were there you were it was fucking crazy it was really cool for action platformer it was like um ultimate action platformer um, and then, and, and so, but I was like, I really like games where you're there, like you're present, you're part of it. There's mm-hmm. characters talking to you, um, aware of you. That was something that I really wanted more. In, I wanted to see more of that in VR. So then I just started developing the, the Trover, the, what became Trover, which was utilizing all the best third person platforming action stuff, but then creating it so that you're still there, part of the game experiencing it with this little character that you're that you're you're controlling so that we could have npcs talking to you and about you and interact with interacting with the little dude that you're controlling all kinds of all of that stuff was like really important but yeah and then and then sort of you know everyone in the early days was you know you had to experience it to really understand how fucking amazing it was and i think a lot of people had seen vr by way of like you know google cardboard or something so they were just like ah fuck that I know. You know, I think a lot of people wrote off VR because they tried some piece of shit and then they didn't realize what room scale or just really good immersive VR w- was going to, was actually going to be like. Yeah. Um, and then also I think it's price point. It was price point And it was also all of the doodads and bullshit. Like even PSVR, you had to run the box and the cable connected in the back, have the camera, you, 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 you know, all these like, all these things. Um, we've truly just like, we've come so far from yeah. something like that. Like I remember we originally um, started talking 
years ago, back when I got the the HTC, the Vive Pre. And I knew that you were super, super into VR and you were like one of the first people that I hit up. And I'm like, what am I playing? What do I need to play on this? Yeah. Um, and, and you're so right. Like one of my first intros um, was kind of like a Google Cardboard situation. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is kind of like... It's cool, but it's like super underwhelming. But yeah, once you're put into like a full actual room scale VR experience, it, it is complete. It's night and day. And just thinking yeah. of like where we've come from there, like we also we went to a demo at E3. I don't know when it was, but I don't know if you remember like the Manus VR guys where they had the uh, the gloves. Yeah, the gloves. That was so cool because yeah. it was super early on. That was like 2015 or 16 or something like that, maybe 17. But um, now you just look down now. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's like now it's you it's don't even wild. need gloves. It's just it's there. I mean, it's it's still it still needs some refinement. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's it's. I mean, what's crazy is I I always felt like once we got to something like a Quest or Quest Two, that would be the tipping point for mass adoption, where it's like a Game mm-hmm. Boy. It's like a portable. You know, you can throw it in your backpack. You don't need a big computer. It's wireless. It's room scale. It's six degrees of, uh, across all you know inputs. Um, it's it's good enough to run cool games. It's like you know it's powerful enough. Like full experiences, not ju- or full games, not just like VR experiences. Yeah, which I think is the key. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 a pretty powerful little little thing. I really really hope slash want and. I, there, there's this isn't on the horizon, by the way, as far as I can tell. Um, being a fan of VR, I just want another big player to jump in the ring and make a Quest, you know, like device, like a yeah. portable, yes, you know, from like a Microsoft or a Sony or a Nintendo or just somebody who's like, holy shit, like look what they did with the Quest Two. Let's do that. Let's do that. But we're yeah. Nintendo, or let's do that. But we're Sony. You know what I mean? Or whoever it is, yeah, and make like you know a video game console portable that is VR, that's literally going to compete with the quest. There's enough developers making games that are room scale, that are, that are processor, you know, they're, they're basically designed to run on that hardware. So it's like, it wouldn't be hard to, you, you would, you would have a lot of content you could just throw on there right away. But then also, of course they could do deals and do exclusives with all the studios, depending on who it is. Thousand percent. That's the dream. I mean, I feel like Nintendo's the closest because of the switches. The switch is just like, right you're one step away from a really badass VR headset. But they're so skittish because of the Virtual Boy. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the Virtual Boy, I think they're just so fucking, they're so burnt by that thing that they're just, it's it's They're like, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's still, all these years later, even though the technology's finally caught up and it's ready uh, for it, it's still like, not you know they're like nope not touching it. Well, I hope I hope they change their mind. I know I hope they can lick their wounds a little bit and and get back in the game because and that's it is you know again coming back from the Vive Pre where you need the lighthouses you need this like Matrix esque fucking cable out of your back you need like a nine hundred dollar twelve hundred dollar computer to run it now we've come to yeah. it's the super light Quest Two it's like three hundred dollars yep. and it's it's become more accessible so I think you're right it kind of just needs like a heavy hitter like that. Um, like like a Nintendo or Microsoft. Or yeah, Sony. I mean the, the the Quest, and you know, not not for nothing. Like what what Facebook is doing is incredible. I mean, I'm very thankful that they're plowing forward, and I mean, they're selling a fuck ton of them. I mean, they're they're, oh, they're cleaning up. Like they're like really, it's just like uh, <laughs> they're they're the only game in town, mm-hmm. you know. And it's kind of crazy to me that nobody's looking at that and going, "Hey, we, we could we could do that get on that." You know, <laughs> it is crazy, really, if you think about it. It's here is this amazing technology that's that's ready to go it's finally all there and there's nobody really hitting it nobody no big players are really coming in and 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 tackling portable 
Um, yeah. And like that we know of anyway. Like you said too, like there's so many good developers and there's so many good studios that are producing like incredible games that could easily be put on it. And uh, obviously you being one of them, I know we kind of like briefly touched, uh, touched on Squanch, but yeah. that's gotta be for somebody who's been like so early and not that it's like a solely VR studio, but for somebody who's been involved in the VR space and been a supporter of the VR space for so long, how crazy is it that you have your own game studio now? <laughs> it's, it's pretty insane. I mean, what happened was, you know, we built the studio around the vision of VR cause I was just fucking obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And halfway through Trover development, we realized we could ship it as a dual skew. Like it worked, like we, we were doing a lot of game development and testing just on monitors, playing the game on monitors, you know? And I realized at one point I was like, you know, if we tweaked this a little bit, this actually would be a really good game outside of VR, just on a monitor. And so we realized it wasn't going to be that much more to just have it work both ways. So we did that. And then that, and then after we shipped Trover and we failed miserably at marketing it properly, um, nobody, there's a lot of people don't even know I have a video game that I wrote, you know, it's like, it's fucking crazy. And then most people think it's a VR only title. Like most people still don't think they don't realize, Oh, I could play it on my switch or on Xbox or whatever. But, uh, it was after that, that I kind of had this epiphany, like, Holy shit, we could make, I could just make a video game. Like it doesn't have to be VR. Like it kind of was like the same thing that happened with VR. When I realized like, Oh my God, I want to make games. I, this, all of this sort of dormant game design knowledge started to bubble up. Like I was like, Oh fuck. Like I, I, I all of the hundreds, thousands of hours I've, I've, I've put into playing games. I have all of this sort of latent game design, you know, just the basics buried into my head, like the Nintendo game design philosophy and just all these great games that I've played. It's sort of like understanding like a little bit, I'm certainly a lot to learn, but like I, I, I was able to kind of hit the ground running with some decent, you know, understanding and, and then, and then, and that sort of unlocked all of this stuff. And then, and then, but it was all VR, right? And then, when I realized, oh my god, I have a fucking game studio now, I can make any game. Then it sort of like all of a sudden, all of this other shit started pouring out of my brain that I didn't think was in there. So yeah, I mean, right now we're we're hard at work on our next game, and I can't say anything much about it, but it's it's not VR. Um, it's it, and it's it's a pretty big. Thing. It's it's fucking. I'm really excited about it. I wish I could talk about it, but it's like we we just can't. We're it's we're not ready. Yeah. We're not even close to an announce or anything. But but it's really special and and it's it's surreal. Yeah, it is fucking weird. That I have a game. <laughs> I never in a million years ever would have thought I'd have a yeah. game studio. Like you know what I mean? It just wasn't. It's incredible. It wasn't on the. Yeah, it wasn't something I was like trying to manifest. You brought it, you made it happen. And especially going into it, having, like you're saying, a little bit of like design philosophy and everything going into it. But also I think that Squanch is like, it's such a beautiful vessel for your just like insanely creative ideas. And all of it really just defies what people really expect from regular games. And that's what I love is that not only do you have like such a background in a broad sense of games, but also just like your flavor of comedy and like ridiculous narrative. And, and like you're saying how like these characters are aware of you and they kind of like play with you and like, it's just so unique. Like, uh, you know, Trover is so special and unique. Um, Accounting plus is so special and unique. If, if you guys have never played either, I swear to God, drop everything you are doing (laughs) and play both of these through. (laughs) Accounting is really cool because that was with um, William Pugh and Dom, Dom uh, over at Crows, 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 the guys that did Stanley Parable. 
that was a really crazy, that was like me just wanting to make shit, you know, before I even had a studio, I just wanted to make stuff. So we, we got together and just started working on, on accounting. And my whole thing was, I want characters to be really aware of you with some fairly primitive, like narrative design tricks. But you know, it's like, oh, when you pick up this thing, it's going to trigger this line of dialogue. When you pick up this thing, it's going to trigger, you know, it's very like rudimentary, but it, but it really works in a, it's such a great effective use of like really basic narrative design with these characters that are super aware of you and have a lot to say. We recorded a fucking ton of dialogue for, for everybody and every potential interaction or scenario. You could just sit and listen to them go on and on and on. What is your approach? Like, you know, because, and again, we talk about this a lot, but, you know, games are such a proactive form of entertainment versus a show or something where you're kind of sitting there watching it. How does your, how is your approach the same? And how is it different when you're thinking of, like narratives you want to tell in a game versus like an episode of a show. Yeah. Like Trover was kind of like interdimensional cable, a lot of it where it was um, outlined. Like I had the whole story broken and the, the, the major sort of set pieces and everything that you're doing from a larger perspective. But then as we got into the moment to moment and we knew what the level was, we'd have it all broken down. Like I was doing a lot of, just making it up, just fucking around, you know? And, and there, there's some similarity uh, uh, in the TV stuff. I think the biggest difference is it's almost like writing a TV show that people can reach into and fuck with. <laughs> and, then, and because of that, you have to have, or at least I like to have as many sort of surprises for everything that they're reaching in and fucking with. Like for, for me, I, I think of it as a gamer, like what would I, um, like what would I, what would I wanna have happen? What would surprise me if I did this what would be the most surprising response? You know, just that kind of stuff is really fun. And that's like, goes back to the old LucasArts, you know, point and click games. And um, it's like, it's nothing new, but it's like something that I really like to exploit in games on top of a bunch of other, like, you know, I think, I think here's honestly the biggest difference is if your core moment to moment gameplay is really fun and sticky and just feels good, there's this sense of relief or just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like the pressure is lifted a little bit because when you're making a TV show, it's got to be fucking good because that's all it is. Someone's sitting there and just passively watching content. So if it's not like quick and funny and like, you know, interesting and doing something different, then you're wasting someone's time and they're likely just going to bail. But with a video game, it takes a little bit of the pressure off in a good way for me anyways, where I, I suddenly feel a lot more free to just go fucking crazy, which mm -hmm. actually makes the thing even better. But like, I don't have this pressure of like, fuck, this has to be really good as a passive form of, of um, entertainment. Is if, if someone's really enjoying the platforming and the action and the just the game of it, then everything on top is just gravy. If you can make that really funny and good and interesting and compelling, that's all just bonus a lot of times. I mean, I, I know for me, there's a lot of games I'll literally play with the volume all the way down and on another TV, I'll have like, you know, some stupid show on like, I, you know, like a fucking reality show, like uh, Love Island or some like some trash. <laughs> and I'll be I'll be doing two things. You know, I'll be playing a really great game with the subtitles on <laughs> and then watching some some garbage reality um, 90 Day Fiance or fucking, you know, Love After Lockup. <laughs> love After Lockup. Is that a real show? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I will say, I, I think you playing a game on silent and then watching a TV show <laughs> is like the equivalent 
of when a lot of people are like on their phones doing other stuff. I think our minds yeah. are kind of becoming more expanded. I think it's a, a positive and VR is helping that too. It's like, I don't know, like they, they, they talk about using VR for therapy and all these other things. I mean, it's, it has a lot of awesome, it's helping our brains. I think I think the sort of playing a game and watching a TV show that only works with certain games. Like mm-hmm. if it's a very if, if like I, I like I, I hate to admit this, but like with like a Ratchet and Clank type game, it's great. It's like it's action. I'm I, I don't I'm not like super. I don't feel like I'm missing out if I'm not hearing the voice acting. I can read the subtitles. I'm not really. It isn't really so much about the story in that game for me. Whereas I'll use the same studio as as, as the flip. It's like you're playing something like The Last of Us one or two. That's not a game I'm going to play with Love After Lockup on a second TV. I'm probably going to have the volume up on that game, and I'm going to want to hear the performances and really be in, you know, really experience the whole thing to, you Wait, know, as a full experience. You don't want to watch Flavor of Love and dive into The Last of Us 2 at the same time? <laughs> I mean, what? if I could find Flavor of Love, who's got Flavor of Love that's not anywhere? You can't find it anywhere. It should be on Paramount oh, Plus. I've got it somewhere. I definitely wanted to ask you about um, your NFT drop. You dropped oh. this whole this whole collection. It was called The Best I Could Do, and it, like, blew up. And I love the idea around, like, A, that blowing up, and then also the, the whole, like, what makes the value of an NFT? You know what I mean? I was going to—I remember just saying, like, I had this, like, strong sense of, like, I'm going to take this shitty drawing of The Simpsons, and I'm going to make— I'm going to turn it into money to help the homeless. That was like my main, like, you know, I I wouldn't call it a new year's resolution, but I kind of had this new year's resolution of like, I want to do something to help other people every month of this year. And that was my first big one. And I was like, if I can, if I can like sell this on eBay and get like 5,000 bucks, that would be incredible. Or, or, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, a couple grand would be fucking amazing. Three grand would be amazing. That's a lot. That's, you know, you can do a lot with that. And my, I posted on, on Instagram and then my, and I didn't really say, or I think, yeah, I did. I posted it as like uh, an Instagram auction at first. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. Like I can't keep track of this. So I, I just, I just put it on eBay. <laughs> and then my old assistant reached out to me and he's like, listen, this is the perfect use of NFT. Like this art. And I, and he was like, I guarantee you, you'll make more money as selling it as an NFT than selling the actual original drawing that you did. And I didn't really, I, I didn't, I didn't not believe him, but I was like, Okay, I, I'm, uh, let's let's do it because for me, I'm just thinking of how how much money can I raise through silly drawings and and what are just my dumb art and and then you know we do this NFT drop on Nifty and it like just that that Simpsons one that I was selling to raise money for the homeless it got like two hundred ninety thousand dollars is what it yeah, ended man. up selling for amazing so I I was able to give about three hundred thousand dollars total or a little more than that to um, the Suitcase Joe Foundation. That's unbelievable. Yeah, and it sort of unlocked this like, I don't know, it was like, Jesus Christ, this is so cool. Cause it's, you're, it's a different form of art. It's like, you know, obviously TV and video games and all that stuff, that's like a really awesome form of art and creativity and I love doing it. But it's something that requires an incredibly talented team of people, which is great. It's, I'm very collaborative. I love working with talented people. It, but when you're doing a painting, it's just you, like you, it's, it's you, some paintbrushes and paint and, and you you can just put on some cool music and Zen out and meditate and just like 
paint some weird shit. Uh, all right, well, li- listen, Justin, we're almost out of time, but we love to end every interview with asking our guest their worst game and their best game. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. You know what's crazy is I, what sucks for me is I have the worst memory. I know I have a definitive answer of like, fuck this. <laughs> um, the, the only thing that's popping into my head, and, and it's, it's going to be pretty controversial, but, um, and I wouldn't say like I actively like seethe and hate, you know, anything, yeah. but like this, this game, I, I bought this game when it first came out. This would have been in 2002, I want to say. And I literally within an hour, I, I listed it on eBay. I couldn't return it, you know, cause you can't, you, once it's open, once the shrink wrap is broken, <laughs> you're fucked. Right. But I, within an hour, I posted it on eBay and sold it got my money back or most of my money back. It's a fast turnaround. It was, drum roll please, Kingdom Hearts 1. Whoa, okay. Yeah. And and, and listen, here's the thing. I really wanted to like the game, but that that camera was like, it was so fucking ridiculous in the very, if you get a PlayStation 2 and you get an original Kingdom Hearts, I don't know if they fixed it in later editions of the game, but like that camera would be like up the character's butt. It's like on the ground, The character's ass is there. You can't see anything. I'm like constant. I was just fighting with that fucking camera. And uh, I was like, fuck you. Fuck this. I, I, I'm fucking done with this. I took it out. I fucking listed it on eBay. And I don't do that. I'm not that guy. I've done that maybe. I think that might be the only time I've ever done that where I was that fucking pissed. Wow. Oh, my God. I was just like, fuck you. The only rage quit. I think so. And I'm trying to think. There's got to be others that where, where I would say worst game ever. But like that for sure is definitely up there. And I mean, there's tons of mobile trash, uh, microtrans trash that, I, that obviously is worse than, way worse than that all day long. But um, I can't think of any one in particular. They're all garbage, but- uh, I love how that's the one that stuck with you. It's been since 2002 and it's still- Just a vivid memory, you know, a vivid memory of like, fuck you. Like, like <laughs> you know, and, and I, think, I think what made it even worse was I could see that there was a really good game in there. And I was just so fucking mad uh. that like, I couldn't, the, the camera was so borked. It was like, what are you guys, like we figured cameras out like fucking in the nineties guys. Like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> anyway. Um, so that pissed me off and I bailed and there was no way to change the camera. Like at least in GTA, you can like zoom back. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Right. And, and in the early GTAs, you could even do top down like the old school, you know? Oh yeah. Um, I wish they would bring that mode back just as like a fun little, like, you know, right. I don't know. But um, anyway, so, and then best game, this is really hard. I'm probably going to go with shadow of the Colossus, but Oh, sick. I I would say any of the retro Zeldas, the side-scrolling Zeldas are... And, and by the way, there's so many, like, Metroidvanias, like any of the old, like, Game Boy Advance and DS Castlevania games. Like, those games are fucking amazing, and I want more of them so bad. And there's some really good indie devs making shit like that, like, um, uh, really good stuff. And there's new stuff coming out that, that, that that's Metroidvania-like. And anyway, so I love that stuff. But yeah, probably my number one would be Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, and you know, I was, I wouldn't say hate. I was pretty disappointed with, um, their, 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 the game after shadow, the, um, the last guardian. I never finished it. Yeah. What, what turned you off? I might've been the camera again. I don't know. Really fucking (laughs) making me sound like a stickler. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. There was something about it just wasn't like, listen, shadow of the Colossus was just like that fucking game is like, Unreal. I mean, it's like, it's a puzzle action comp. I mean, it's like just so good. I mean, I don't even know. That game is just so fucking good. That, that's a game that even when I put it on now, 
all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, it's been six hours. Like I, I you know, like it's rare that games can pull me in. Like, I mean, it, it's happening right now with, um, for some reason it's happening with the new Ratchet and Clank game where I'm getting way pulled into it. But yeah, that game always sucks me in because it's just so, you're just like, okay, just one more of them. Just, I'm just, just one more Colossi, yeah. whatever the fuck the plural. <laughs> Colossi. Colossi. What blows me away about that game in particular is its elegance. It's so simple, yet it does so much and you almost don't even realize everything that's happening. And like, and even like, like the, the hints of story and stuff and, and it's beautiful. And I mean, yeah. I, I think it's, I think one thing I've learned over the years is simplicity is kind of the hardest thing to do well. And that it feels yeah. like Shadow of the Classes does it better than almost anybody. Don't you, don't you feel like, I mean, this is an obvious yes, but like, uh, with with Breath of the Wild, it, it, I was like, oh boy, they really like took some notes from the Shadow of Colossus uh, playbook. You know what I mean? Like in a good way. It it it, it had that simplicity exploration, like totally. You know, even the hanging, like you know, your strength, your your how long. You know what I mean? Totally. Like I was like, mm-hmm. oh shit, dude. Totally. And I, I I love I love that mechanic. Um, I really love I love I also loved in Shadow of the Colossus how you're killing these beautiful creatures, you know, and it's just and there's this fucking sick feeling about about it in a way like it's it's hard it's not a hard it's a hard thing to achieve in in, in video games where you can make somebody feel something and like you said it's so simple it's so like elegant simple it's like there's a there's a sick or dying girl or a dead girl you're just going to this creepy fucking temple and you're doing what needs to be done for some godlike deity and you're killing these beautiful beasts and yeah it's just such a good and, and honestly i would I would I would kill for a sequel to that game, just a bunch more, you know, Colossus to kill. As long as they get the camera right. <laughs> they, that game got the camera. That game had a good camera. That game was like a functional. Yeah, they, they, they had a good functional camera. 10 out of 10. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to literally because I just need to see if, maybe I'm out of my fucking mind. I'm going to go back <laughs> and I'm going I'm to I have a PS2 Slim. I'm going to buy. I don't own it because obviously I sold it on eBay years ago. I'm going to go and buy the original PS2 Kingdom Hearts original, like <laughs> the one that came out, and I think it was 2002. It might have been 2003. I can't remember. Um, and I'm going to go buy that fucking game, and I'm going to play it, and I'm going to see like if I'm like, yep, these motherfuckers, <laughs> or I might be like, dude, what was I thinking? This is fine. I'm I'm a fucking idiot. I don't know. I really don't. It's been so long. I can't remember. I'm super excited to see it for sale on eBay uh, in the coming weeks. So <laughs> yeah, I'll do it again. And then yeah, report back, and maybe it's your favorite game, and you're like, Shadow of the Colossus sucks. It's Kingdom Hearts One, baby. <laughs> yeah, just a giant chest, a Tupac <laughs> giant Kingdom Hearts tattoo on your stomach. It'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah, right on my face, right on my fucking face. I could see it. Justin Roiland, thank you so much. This was an absolute thrill. Uh, Thanks, guys. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing you in the next simulation. That was an absolute blast. I love talking about VR with somebody who is so deeply ingrained in VR. And, you know, I think maybe... This is our chance. We should throw out our dating simulator uh, VR situation squanch games. Let's make it happen. I'm in it. And you know what? And instead of like, are you on Tinder? Are you are are you squanching? No. Are you on Bumble? No, I no, I listen, just hear me out. Hear me out. Listen, just like, hey, you're on Tinder, you're on Bumble. Are you on Raya? No, I'm I'm squanching it. You know, I think that Squanch Games might have been on it until they heard this one clip and then they're like, you know what? We change our minds. How'd you two meet? We squanched. Uh, listen, we're going to take a break. 
But please stick around because we'll be right back. Squanchin'. Welcome back to the five of you that have stuck around after Blade talked about squanching it. Uh, we got a, uh, a suggestion at Good Game Nice Try on Twitter. Be sure to send yours in. Uh, at It's Unico wrote us and asked, you guys asked for suggestions, so would you consider doing a Returnal episode for Clueless Gamer? I think it would be an excellent game for a Clueless Gamer episode. What's, uh, what's your thoughts, Blade? Have you played Returnal? I haven't, but I've seen it. It just came out, like, kind of recently, right? It's gorge. It looks insane. And I have played it. I've played it quite a bit, actually. Uh. I was super hyped. You know what I'm such a sucker for is great artwork. I'm such a sucker for great artwork. It looks really cool if you've seen the artwork for this game. It's like this woman standing in front of all these broken... uh, She's in a spacesuit and standing in front of all these broken helmets, which are her helmet, all broken in different ways. Um, The idea is... You keep dying and coming back to life and playing the same thing over and over. And but you do get uh, as you move up, you do get these kind of power ups or weapons which help you get further and further. That's what Returnal is, Mm. um, is one of those kinds of games. And I've said this before, but, you know, Clueless Gamer is a comedy bit. (laughs) And like all comedy bits, you have to have firewalls. You have to have different areas that don't rely on each other to make it great. And Mm. we've talked a lot about this before about Clueless Gamer, but like any comedy bit, Conan has taught me, you know, you need different areas. But if one of those areas doesn't go well, you need to be able to just cut it out and it's like it never happens. So what I would do with Returnal is I would construct a lot of other stuff around the game, bits around the game that don't necessarily, jokes that don't necessarily involve gameplay. Um, because the the joy of Returnal and the joy of games where you're playing over and over and over and over and over is that you're playing over and over and over and over and over. And right. you can't do that in a seven-minute comedy bit. You know, I, it doesn't I work. I see that. I see that. I, that definitely makes sense. Uh, so if you had to pick any games that are coming out or any games that you love that think that you think would have a really good area to explore, do you have any ones kind of in your back pocket you think would be really fun? There's a bunch of games coming up I'm very excited for. Um, but one in particular, this is far away, but I would really love to do is Back for Blood, uh, which is the the Left for Dead uh, sequel. Left for Dead, if you guys don't remember, is a four-player game uh, where you're killing zombies. It's, uh, you know, quadrant screen, so you're all playing at the same time. And you need to, as a team of four, work together to kill these zombies. It's very fast-paced. It's just, it gets bananas because so many zombies attack. So I would really love to see Conan with three other celebs uh, play that game. But there's a there's a host of other games coming out that I would love to see him play. But I think the thing, the core is at the end, there's always a way to make any game funny. Mm-hmm. And so it's how much are you, how much are you leaning into what the game is versus 
what's around the game and what the game is about. And I think like Conan is so smart at always knowing a great angle there. Um, and, uh, you know, anything you give him, he just makes better, which is great. So yeah, I'm excited for games that are coming out. I think we could make a really good returnal clueless gamer. I think, um, I think we just need to clip that one really sentimental bit and we need to send that to Conan. I feel like he would love to hear that. Maybe he would. I can never let him see that I truly love him. Never, Aww. never, never, never show weakness. Never show weakness. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this week. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. Wow. What a packed Time flies when you're episode. having fun. Oh, d- uh, dating VR apps. Aww. Justin Roiland. This is a good one. He's a great one. He's the best, man. We got to have him back on. Uh, and of course, we squanched it. I no, think we really squanched it. We did it. not. Um, okay. Uh, if you guys have any questions, video game requests, or any ideas for future Clueless Gamers you want to see, write into us on Twitter at GoodGameNiceTry or use the hashtag GGNT. We'll see y'all next time. Squanch it. Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Engineering by Will Beckton, with engineering and sound design by Chester Guazda. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. Special thanks to Sean Doherty and music by John Danik. This has been a Team Coco production. <laughs>